Hello, film fans. We have a reason to celebrate because Carl and I are going back into the theater this week. I am. I'm going to go to a movie on Monday. Yes. So are you. I know. A Quiet Place Part 2, which is a movie that you have to see in the theater. Well, they're also not letting us see it at home. And this was going to be the next movie that we were going to see if there wasn't a pandemic. That's right. So, so rudely interrupted circle. by a pandemic. We'll talk to our guest, William Roth, in just a moment. We'll talk about your St. Louis Blues around minute 13. We'll talk about what William recommends that everyone see and read around minute 15. Around minute 20, The Dry. Around minute 25, Georgetown. Around minute 31, Army of the Dead. Around minute 36, Pink, All I Know So Far. Around minute 44, Dear Evan Hansen. Around minute 46, all these music documentaries that are out right now. Around minute 51, Lynn's TV picks. Around minute 59, what's going on in St. Louis Theater. And around one hour and 15 minutes, the new DVDs. Well, speaking of rudely interrupted by a pandemic, our guest today is William Roth. Hey, William. Hello. Nice to see you after I can't even begin to remember the last time I saw you. I don't know. I've been sitting yeah. here in this chair for a year and a half waiting. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm trying to think what the last production. Oh, that brilliant Annapurna. Right. With Laurie Mack, Carl. Right. I, I, I know Pearson. of the show and I know of the person. And they were fantastic. And that was, yeah. And then we were rudely interrupted. So William has exciting news. Tell us what's happening at the Gaslight Theater. Well, we have all sorts of things happening at the Gaslight Theater. Um, we have a complete lineup, which is at our on our website at gaslighttheater.net. But we're starting uh, the first thing in forever is we've got on June 4th, uh, we've got Joe Manicuso and the Jim Manley Brass. So they're playing uh, a gig. And then uh, our good friend Yale Hollander is picking up his Gaslight Comedy Series, which we had just gotten started uh, before COVID and then had to stop. We had like one evening of comedy and then COVID put the kibosh on that. Uh, so he's there <clears throat> with a bunch of interesting things. June 25th, uh, he um, is hosting a lineup of, of local comedians, um, Chris Sire and Precious J and Molly Ambergy. Uh, but then more exciting than that, we have Ophira Eisenberg from NPR's uh, show, Ask Me Another. She's here for two shows as part of the comedy series uh, on Friday, June 9th, 7 and 9.30, and Yale is hosting that. Um, and then <clears throat> a good friend of mine, someone I've had a couple times who I love, Jimbo Mathis, who's a Delta, Mississippi Delta blues guitarist, him and his band, he and his band, the Dial Back Sound, are coming as part of our Gaslight concert series, and uh, he'll be in town. He headed up the Squirrel Nut Zippers back in the day. That was kind of the oh, big band. I remember them. Yes, yeah. and he's there July 11th, at 7 p.m. Uh, but those near, tickets are near, those tickets are only 20 bucks. So that's yeah. going to be a good show. Everything we do there, we try to keep uh, affordable in our little intimate house. Um, but of course, what's mostly near and dear to me is that St. Louis Actors Studio has announced our 14th, 14th and a half. I think we announced <laughs> it a 14th season before. Uh, but we're back with the lost episodes uh, where we'll be doing and starting up in September. Uh, we're going to do two one acts, uh, one by Edward Albee and one by Harold Pinner, the zoo story and the dumbwaiter. Uh, and that's September 17th through the third uh, season tickets are on sale, by the way, if you go to the uh, St. Louis Actors Studio website. 
Uh, and then uh, December 3rd through the 19th, uh, Neil Abute had written a play for us that was interrupted by COVID comfort. Um, and that is directed by Anna Marie, uh, Zoo Story and Dumbwaiter, uh, Wayne Solomon's directing. Um, and then Anna Maria Pileggi, our associate artistic director is gonna direct Carrie Ely and Spencer Sickman in Comfort. Uh, and then the raucous comedy. Um, I seldom see things that I think are so funny that I laugh out loud continuously. Um, and this is one play that just is ridiculously funny. Hand to God by Robert Askins. <clears throat> that's February 30th through the 6th. And that's directed by Associate Artistic Director John Pearson. Uh, Eric Dean White and Colleen Backer are gonna lead the cast there. And then our Labute Festival um, next July, the 8th through the 31st. Uh, hey, William, there, there's one thing you forgot to mention. Who's, who is going to star in the zoo story and the dumb waiter? Who is that? Who's going to be the lead actor in that? Uh, uh, well, there's co-leads since they're both, uh, but uh, we haven't cast the other part, but I will be in uh, both of those plays. Yay! Hooray for me. Yeah. And then, we try not to make it too much about me, but I got to get on stage every once in a while. And well, Mike Kaplan's coming too. I'm excited oh, yes, that's that. right. I forgot I missed Mike. Yep. Mike Kaplan also uh, will be here. Do you know him? Have you seen well, him? Well, if, if you if you watch late night comedy, if you when whenever these late night comedians have comedians on Mike Kaplan, he's been on everything he's been on Fallon. He's been on Letterman. He's everything. been on Conan. He's been on Courtney. He's been on Seth Meyers. He has been every time a comedian comes on. Mike Kaplan usually does a good solid seven or eight minutes. Yeah, well, he's going to headline uh, with uh, Emily Hickner, who's a local comedian, and Yale Hollander will host, uh, I apologize profusely, Yale's probably listening, July 16th at 8 o'clock at the Gaslight. So. Well, he he was on Last Comic Standing. That's the first time I saw him because yeah. he he I've been a fan of his for a long time. He's He is uh, quirky and nerdy and very funny. Right. The least of which of his quirkiness is that he spells his name M-Y-Q. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but but it's Mike, but right? It's which is which annoys some people, and he loves that, right? Well, that's that's awesome. I'm glad to hear all of these things. Yeah, and we'll be adding other things too. Uh, we're we're just getting started. You know, the musicians are just kind of dusting off their, themselves and coming out of the woodwork and thinking about doing gigs again. So we're hoping to fill in. Uh, there was a while there when we had jazz every Tuesday and and blues on Wednesdays, and so we're going to see how many of those we can fill up. Uh, as the spring and summer progresses. Well, I remember uh, that, that, well, the Gaslight Theater is right next to the West End Pub and Grill. Right. Which has reopened. So you have that factor too. You can go and have dinner first or you can have drinks afterwards. Or during. <laughs> or during, Yay. yeah. At intermission, you can go over. And right. uh, it's a really nice setup. But I've always loved this theater since I've been going since 2012. And uh, you always do interesting things. And those casts, I just love Colleen Backer. And Eric was so chilling in the last Labute that he did. And right. then um, Spencer and Carrie are very magical. So it's just going to be a great lineup. Yeah, we're very fortunate uh, to have them. And it's one of those few instances when you have a dream cast, but, uh, you know, pre-COVID, everyone's due by now. Carrie would have been in the festival or uh, already gobbled up by uh, stages or, or something. But just about everybody was like, it was one of the few times when I could have called just about any actor in the country and gone, hey, are you busy on? No. 
So, um, we're oh, fortunate in that. Yeah, way. it'll be so nice. I saw a billboard this morning that said vaccines are a gateway to concerts, our gateway right. drug to concerts. <laughs> so it's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, you took this, the Gaslight Theater, which is actually from Gaslight Square, right. and you turned it into a black box theater and also the restaurant. And so when did you do that? When was that rehab? Uh, it's been about 15, 16 years now. So the building next door, I have a small marketing firm that needed an office. And so um, uh, without boring you on how, the, how that happened, I was on the hill and uh, was walking along one day and found these buildings. So anyway, I bought the one building and rehabbed it into my offices, which is just adjacent to the on the north side to what is now the Gaslight and the West End Growing Pub. So right around 2005, 2006, we had started and it took about about a year to get it done, which was fortunate for me because it gave me a year to talk about the theater and the theater company and get people interested and put a board together. So it was one of the few things where we could engage uh, patrons and board members and uh, and supporters alike on something that had was happening from the ground up. So um, just about 15 years ago. Yeah, well, Ray Hartman, my colleague at KTRS Radio, said right. to call you the guru of gaslight. <laughs> he likes to say that. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. We, uh, I've been uh, ever since forever, uh, uh, even before I did these buildings, I worked downtown and I would drive through the kind of what was left of gaslight before it was all completely demolished and always, uh, you know, excited about that history of, of you know, I mean, it was really uh as big an entertainment and big as far as stature, not size, because it was only a block and a half. Um, everybody played there. And so it was, we really kind of, when we started, we're standing on the shoulders of that history. Uh, and now, and uh, we've been around almost as long as they have, uh, as the Gaslight, uh, how long Gaslight Square was around from like 55 to 72. So suddenly we've, we've almost surpassed them as far as the amount of time that we've been at it. But uh, Gaslight Square was an amazing part of town. It was it was the place to be because my uh, my aunt and uncle live on the East Coast. And when they would come into town, my mom would join them and they would always go to Gaslight Square. It, you know, it was the mid 60s. And this was when the Smothers Brothers played right. there. Joan Rivers, right. uh, Barbara Streisand, Phyllis Diller, the Almond Brothers. They wow. were the Almond Joy back then. Aha. Uh -huh. nice. And so uh, you have pictures in the theater, well, in the West End pub and grill of those days. Right. And the website has them as well. Yeah, but, I've been collecting memorabilia for as long as I started, you know, 20 years. Yeah, but, but it was also influential at the time because it wasn't it was not segregated. Dick Gregory was there and Miles Davis. And and it was the counterculture of the time. That's right. And it was on the, you know, and it was on the Del Mar divide. There was just on the other side when it was too late uh, or as after hours for gaslight, everybody would hop over Del Mar to the black clubs uh, and it would continue on uh, until the wee hours in the morning. And so it was, it was quite a community uh, on both sides of the street. Well, it is also going to get some recognition this summer. The Muni's first show is Smokey Joe's cafe and they are going to set it in St. Louis and at Gaslight right. Square. And so there's that connection too. Yeah, um, there is always something going on that uh, <laughs> harkens back to Gaslight when they're asking about it or trying to incorporate that or Dressel's, you know, pub has been around forever on Euclid and they're, uh, they're pretty much an homage to, to Gaslight as well. 
That's right. Well, that's fun. Well, speaking of homages, Carl, you were at the Blues game last night and uh, you honored the uh, 2019 Stanley Cup playoffs winner because two years ago was when we beat Dallas. No, San Jose. San Jose. Okay. Yeah, it was San Jose. This, this was round three. Two years ago yesterday was the anniversary of the Blues making it to the Stanley Cup finals for the first time since the early days of the team. So that was two years ago. And then uh, they did not honor it well last night, but they, (laughs) but other than that, we, we look back and we look to the future and there is a game on Sunday. So any, any given Sunday, wait a minute, that's football. Yeah. And well, the fourth, that's what the, the cliche in hockey is the fourth game is the hardest one to win. So yeah, are we going to? Um, is Falk? We don't know when Falk's going to return, right? Uh, they have. They have. The coach said, Coach Peruvi, Chief. He has said that Falk feels fine, but I think they held him out last night because uh, he, they, he might have a concussion. So he got, he got an elbow to the head. So I don't know if he's been cleared to play or not. But Chief says that he feels fine, and also Vince Dunn might be back, and some of the people might be off of COVID protocol. So I, of course, always like to say, I don't speak for the team. I just work for them. So anything you hear is what I have heard. And I just, I I'm hearing nothing at the rink. And the reason I'm hearing nothing at the rink is because everyone is still segregated. We have our meetings on headsets and no one, I am, as you can see here, even though this is just audio, I am a yellow. All the important people are red. So if you see somebody with a red stripe with their blues ID, they are level one or two. I'm not allowed to even see those people. If I see them coming down the hall, I'm supposed to duck out of their way. So I, I am a I'm a yellow level three and I'm in my own room, by the way, all by myself. People sending me texts. That was a great song, but people did like the music I was playing. In fact, those that was the highlight of the game last night. All the kick-ass banging songs that I played. At least that's what the kids said. All righty. Did you play Gloria? No. Nope. No, we don't do that anymore. We retired that song. I know, but song. just, I no, know, no. but just, okay. No, that's, it's retired. That, that That's like the Cardinals don't rare, the Cardinals rarely play celebration anymore. That's and, right. Are the heat is on. Well, they they don't play the heat is on after 85 because they lost. So they don't <laughs> they don't do that anymore. But Gloria is is finished. So we retired it when we raised the banner. That was the last time that I played it at a blues game. All righty. All well, right. So uh, let's let's move on. William, we yeah. always ask our guests Uh-oh. in the last 18 months. What have you been uh recommending to people since you haven't necessarily been able to do your own you know job you have been in front of a tv watching movies and binging stuff and probably watching old theater is there anything in the last year and a half that has caught your fancy fancy and you want people to see you know that's a really good question uh now that i'm thinking about it. you know i've just been re-watching uh the wire which of course is easy to recommend because it's probably the best crime cop city show ever ever written uh and it well, has a lot of people eight- say they've seen the wire and they really haven't oh i love the wire that's my favorite and then they've never seen it yeah i'm uh, i'm through uh season four now and so um 
Uh, I've been recommending that more than uh, just about anything because it is so good and it has not aged one bit other than, you know, uh, the cell phones are a little smaller and they're, uh, but Baltimore's even the technology, still crap hole. right? Poor Baltimore. Uh, but all that stuff is true too, which is the amazing thing. Everything that's in that series happened in Baltimore. Uh, you know, the police commander pushed all the drug dealers into the vacant part of the city and allowed them to do their thing to, to bring the crime rates down and other, I mean, just everything happened, uh, exactly as it appears on that, uh, on that show. But, um, uh, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. I've been watching uh, not a whole lot. I've been actually reading. I never get a chance to read ever because I'm always reading scripts and trying to figure out what's going to go on at the gaslight. Uh, and I've gotten a chance to read um, uh, a picture of Dorian Gray, just some old stuff that, uh, so I've been, you know, reading books and um, uh, My Hamlet, daughter. you read Hamnet, the play about Shakespeare's son. Uh, and his wife. I mean, it is fantastic. So actually, I've been recommending the book Hamnet more than anything else. Uh, My daughter is the- going to read the picture of Dorian Gray for her, one, her senior English, which yeah. is very funny. Yeah. So there's been books sitting around. I have tons of books in my house that I haven't touched in 25 years because there's always a script getting in the way. So I guess I've been recommending books that I've read more than TV that I've watched. And that's great. And we want to we want to mention again that not every book should be made into a play or a movie. Case in point, A Woman in the Window. Don't watch that. <laughs> okay, I won't. Actually, that was on the list. That's don't, no good. Don't, no. All no. right. <laughs> Lynn, Lynn, once again, forgets that this is audio, so she's shaking her head and mouthing no. Yes, yeah. well, I, I, uh, uh, we talked about it at length last week, but it's... I wanted to love it so much. And it has this homage to Rear Window, which shows right. what a pale comparison it really is. And Tracy Letts did the screenplay. Oh, my and, goodness. And, and his name's Carl. And he's in it as yeah. the psychiatrist, but it's just. Uncredited, pretty, by the way. It's pretty ridiculous. However, my, finishing cut. my sister in L.A., uh, we have a group family text and she loved it and she recommended it to everybody. So I zipped up my critic mouth because I was like, I'm not going to ruin her. You know, you know what you should have done? You should have sent everyone a link to last week's podcast and you could say, oh, yeah, here's what I thought of it. I hated it. (laughs) Well, actually, I have some really good murder mystery thrillers this this week, and they're all from books. So but I wanted to piggyback on uh, The Wire, because if you haven't seen Michael B. Jordan as a youth, he is in that show. And then the great Idris Elba, that's when America first saw him. Right. So you can pick out some real, and oh, he's a badass. Right. And everybody, actually, just from an acting standpoint, because there's a ton of people in that cast and a lot of really young kids, uh, all the corner boys and all the, uh, I mean, they are all amazing characters, well uh, thought out and uh, I mean you're not just your corner drug guy walking by I mean these kids all have stories and are amazingly well acted and most of them are local Baltimore folks um, so you can get that in the HBO uh, archives HBO right. Max. Max archives right. and um, by the way HBO is going to reduce their fee because they have one of the largest monthly fees at $14.99 they're going to have ads and charge $10. Mm-hmm. So that's the new thing from HBO Max. But you can still pay 14 and not get ads? Right. I think so. 
Yes. Okay. Yeah. And you can see Isaiah Whitlock Jr. say shit with 17 syllables. <laughs> okay. Okay. Jeez. Well, uh, one of my one, one of my favorite Great. movies this week, I did not never I never heard of this book. So it was a, a global bestseller, but it takes place in Australia and it's called The Dry. And it's based on Jane Harper's book and it was her debut novel in 2016. And it is a, a really well-constructed murder mystery. And it uh, the reason it's called The Dry is because it takes place in the Australian outback where there has been a drought. They have had... Uh, uh, they have not had rain for 324 days. So the landscape is part of this story. And if you are a fan of wonderful cinematography, Ben Richardson, who did the movie Beasts of the Southern Wild, mm -hmm. he uh, he did the, or no, 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 not him. He did the other one we talked about last week, the Angelina Jolie, uh, the guy who did The Invisible Man which had terrific cinematography, did this. But so this drought plays into this small town. It's a small town with colorful characters. And Eric Bana, who hasn't been in a movie in a while, and he's back to hero mode, but he's a troubled, conflicted guy. He goes back to his hometown for a funeral of a friend. And the word is that this guy killed his wife and young son. And then Didn't he, he just do that in Dirty John? Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. And uh, But he's a producer here. And he, uh, he goes back, and so everybody's thinking this guy killed his wife and son and then turned the gun on him. But the parents don't think that happened. And he is a federal police officer in Australia, so they, in Melbourne. So they ask him to stick around, which he does. How convenient that he's a police officer and starts investigating this. But 20 years earlier, he and this friend who died were somehow connected to this young girl uh, who drowned. And it's always been a suspicious death. So there's flashbacks to when they were teenagers and uh, this uh, finding the girl in the river and also there's all sorts of red herrings and twists and it's very layered and it has really good people in it and I enjoyed it thoroughly and you can see it at local theaters it's at Marcus's and AMC's and Plaza Frontenac and um, I think it might be at the high point and then also video on demand and it's called The Dry, and it also stars Genevieve O'Reilly. You might know her as Mon Mothma in the Star Wars films, including uh, Revenge of the Sith and Rogue One. And she's been doing her voiceover. Every time they need a Mon Mothma now, she's their go-to. And she's Australian, too. And do, do they have the lovely Australian accents? Yes, they do. And it's what is really cool about it is they say good day and, you know, mate all the time. But good it's day. like authentic. It's Sheila. really it's like Eric Bain is walking down the street and he's saying to his his old neighbors, you know, and good. And you can good just day. tell they're just in their element. You know, it's just the regular. It's not like they're faking the Australian accent. And, and Jane Harper, who is the author of this, she has a cameo as a funeral attendee. So 
Aha. Uh-huh. Well, so it, the, I, yeah. I love it when the authors actually get to do it. even even in the awful Twilight movies, when Stephanie Meyer shows up, that's I like it when the authors just do a Hitchcock little cameo like that, because that shows that they're they're saying, yeah, I'm OK with this. Well, you know, a lot of times everybody's disappointed with the novel, but I actually think that they they kept it pretty close to this. I mean, I, I couldn't really figure it out. So I think that so that's... did you read the no, did you read the no? OK, All no, right. I'm just going on. But just how well constructed the movie was and uh, Genevieve O'Reilly, speaking of the theater, since uh, William is a aficionado, uh, she was in the play The Ferryman. So she goes from stage to screen and back again. So she plays one of the teenage girls now grown up. And everybody in town has secrets. Well, if you don't want to live in poverty, you've got to be able to go from stage to screen because you're certainly (laughs) not going to make a living (laughs) just on the stage. That's for sure. Right. Right. And so I recommend this highly. And it just came out of the blue. IFC offered it. And I was just like, yeah, sure. Haven't seen Eric Bain in a while. He's very understated in this. So, and he does not like our friend Max Foisy because Max asked him about Hulk and he doesn't want to relive Hulk. No, he doesn't want to relive Hulk, but uh, he started out as a comedian. He did? Yeah, he started out as a comedian. He had his own TV show and he had a talk show. He was like a real big guy in, in uh, Australian TV. Well, yeah, but people know him for like being Bruce Banner and in Troy and Munich. And you don't really see his out uh, comedic side. No, he was in the movie Funny People, which wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so that's that's that. And then we have um, another really bizarre movie called Georgetown. And it was made in 2018 and it was at the Tribeca Film Festival in 19. And it is directed by Christoph Waltz. And it oh. stars Vanessa Redgrave and Annette Benning. So this is a Paramount release and Paramount offered it. So I was intrigued and I watched it and I was entertained by it. It's based on a true story and uh, the playwright David, let me get it now. I have to write. Uh, the playwright David Auburn adapted it from a magazine, uh, from a Saint, uh, from a New York Times article called "The Worst Marriage in Georgetown," and it's about this swindler who is German, and they just change his name slightly, and he marries a wealthy widow played by uh, Vanessa Redgrave, and. He's quite the smooth operator. He is not what he appears to be. And it's a fantastic story. He somehow finagles his way into diplomatic relations. And it's like a catch me if you can. Okay. So he directs it and stars in it. Yeah. But apparently uh, he wasn't happy with it. And so he took his, his name appears as C. Waltz as the director. He doesn't he doesn't like final cut or was he just trying to say, oh, I don't want people to know it's me. I don't know. There's a story behind it. How would they ever figure that out? How did you guys figure (laughs) out it was him? You're a sleuth. (laughs) (laughs) But this is a perfect part for him. It's one of those shady guys that is very charming, 
but very deceitful. And, and Annette Benning's in it too? Yeah, Annette Benning plays Vanessa Redgrave's daughter. And she is a Harvard law professor. And she has pegged this guy from day one. And so after this dinner party with Washington insiders, uh, he goes for a walk because she won't let him smoke in the house. And he comes back and she's dead. Oh, but because it's da, 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 da. yeah, but because it's blunt force trauma, they open a murder investigation and Annette Benning's convinced he did it. Now, in real life, the real guy is in federal prison serving a 50 year sentence. So you just gave away the for an story. unrelated crime. Well, if you know the real story, it's totally like like, for instance, the real guy's last name is I mean, his first name is Albrecht. But in the movie, it's Ulrich. Huh. And so it's very, very close to, but you can't tell what happened real and what's fake because they start off the movie saying it's not true. It, none of this is true. Or, and then at the end, they have a title card that says, you know, something about the truth again. That's what but, they say at the beginning of Fargo too, but we know all that's true. Right. Wood chippers. Yeah. And then uh, this is inspired by true events. This so, is another one of those movies, Lynn, that was at Tribeca in uh, 2019. It, came, it was April 27, 2019. And then so we're still looking. We're still looking for content two years later. And so you get this Christoph Waltz. Why, why do you think it sat for two years? I don't understand it because I was fascinated by it. I mean, it's not a perfect movie by any means. You know, a solid, probably B minus. But it was but, released in Italy even last year, June of 2020. And, and and Italy was in major lockdown several times. So they yeah. released it over there. Well, he's great at playing a schemer site of uh, sociopath. <laughs> you know, Christoph Waltz is just so good. I believe he can, has an Oscar for that. Well, yeah. And you can never tell whether he's playing a good guy or a bad guy. But this guy actually brokers this deal in Iran. And so they have that. But his lawyer in the film is played by Corey Hawkins, who played Dr. Dre in Straight Outta Compton. Ah, and he was on uh, he was on uh, The Walking Dead, too. Well, he was. Uh, yeah. And he was in Broadway. He was in the uh, revival of Six Degrees of Separation. Uh-huh. Well, uh, Vanessa Redgrave is sharp in this. She's playing a 91-year-old woman who's a journalist. And uh, in real life, Vanessa's 84. Oh, so she's she's playing older? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, good, good, good for her that she can play uh, nine years older. <laughs> Right. I yeah. wonder if that was on her audition sheet that she can play 84 today. I can play 91. <laughs> I yeah, know. Cor Corey Hawkins was nominated for a Tony for Six Degrees of Separation. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. So I, I've always liked him. All right. So now, okay, now you've you've had the meat and potatoes. I now get to talk about uh, what we would call the popcorn because I watched I watched Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder's zombie movie starring Dave Batista from Guardians of the Galaxy. It is very Zack Snyder. Here's here's one reason it's Zack Snyder. It's two and a half hours long and it is a zombie movie. 
there are okay my wife and daughter they do not care for zombie movies my wife doesn't like all the headshots my daughter just doesn't care for zombies in fact when she was playing like minecraft she didn't she doesn't like the creepers or the enderman she just doesn't like that kind of stuff so i had to watch this not by myself but not with anyone else so yes by myself and it is it's on netflix and it is a Zack snyder zombie movie a lot of gore a lot of violence uh there's some drama in making it because Tignataro had to replace Chris D'Elia in the, and the fact that Tignataro, I love Tignataro. She is um, when, what they did with her character, it is seamless. They did a pure Christopher Plummer inserting her into this movie just by putting her in specific scenes and specific shots. You would not know that she was not in this movie because I'm fascinated by stuff like that. Just the process of uh, putting the green screen on and putting her in this movie. And she's really great in this. There are issues with this movie that I have. Just the, just the story. Um, it's a zombie story. Las Vegas is overtaken by zombies. And they wall off the city and all the zombies are in Las Vegas. And the president has declared that on the 4th of July, they're going to nuke Vegas to take care of all the zombies. And so all these casino owners want their money. So they hire all these mercenaries to go in and get, get the money out of the vaults. And Dave Batista was a hero by saving, uh, like the secretary of defense when the army came in there to go get them. And it's a, it's a cast of thousands. And I would like to say that some of them make it out alive and some of them don't, but if you're into this movie, I'm not going to ruin it for you. If you're not just ask me because I, I will tell you because it's not, it's, it's a zombie movie. They said it. So they set it up for a sequel, even though I don't know who they would have in the second one because it's a it's a very fatalistic movie let's just say is this a remake of a movie um i i know this is the first time i've ever heard of a uh zombie taking over las vegas where the uh casino guys want to get their money back so it's a screenplay by Zack snyder shay hatton and joby harold uh shay hatton uh did John Wick three and we didn't we just talk about Shay Hatton last week didn't he do something um, I thought we were just talking about him the other day um, he did something I I don't remember but if you like blood guts gore and zombies they they do kind of something here like there are two kinds of zombies because they're the old uh, uh, George Romero kind of zombies that are slow and walking. And then there are alpha zombies that are more organized and uh, work in packs and work together. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm afraid to say anything about this movie because those that want to see it, I'm afraid I will give something away because there are, there are very shocking turns of events that happen in this movie. And I, I didn't realize while I'm watching it that I was that invested in, all these people, it is a huge cast. It's a team of, I want to say seven people go in to get this money out of this casino. So it's kind of like an Ocean's Eleven thing 
but there's also there's the safe cracker there's the coyote she's the one that lets people in and out and then there's the government in charge and then there's the casino owner and you know that the casino owner he wants his own guy on the team so you know that you can't trust him and then you find out right away whether you can or cannot trust him it is it is very very zombie like and if you're not into zombie movies this movie's not for you it's very violent if this was if this was in theaters it would be rated r totally well it started in theaters last week so i'm not sure if i think in st louis it's still in theaters but it is now on netflix yes so it's it's it is violent and gory and gross and if you're into that it's fun for that i was more interested in the story but if you're into Zack snyder and some people are and some people are not it is uh it's a zombie movie (laughs) All right. Well, I forgot to say that Georgetown is available video on demand and okay. it is in theaters, but um, I haven't seen it in the St. Louis lineup. So that well, zombies now let's talk about let's talk about the best movie of the week. Lynn, the okay. best movie of the week is the pink documentary. All I know so far, which is now available on Amazon Prime. Yep. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. I enjoyed it. This has been a very good year for music documentaries. We've had we've had Tina, the Tina Turner story. We've had the Billie Eilish. Okay, so the Tina Turner story was on HBO Max. The Billie Eilish story was on Apple Plus. Uh, Pink, all I know so far, is on Amazon Prime and coming out. Uh, CNN's going to do 1971, the year that changed music, and then uh, Questlove's got his documentary out too. So this 2021 is a great year and the three i have seen so far which would be tina billy eilish and all i know so far they're all really really good i enjoyed this pink but i will say you probably have to be a a fan of pink they don't even play all of her hits that's that's how many hits she has and when when willow her eight-year-old daughter says mommy Stop cursing. We we showed this to my daughter, who is a rising senior. But Mark Reardon asked me on the air, can I show this to my kid? And I said, she's got a potty mouth. And even her daughter ca- calls her out on it several times. But yeah, I guess you could show you. It, it's all girl power and empowerment. And it's a good message. But if you get upset by hearing the, the F-bomb a thousand times, this movie might not be for you. Well, I wasn't even paying attention to that. What I liked yeah, about but, it. But, and but by the some way. people are some people some this that would there are people that cringe every time they hear something like that. Right. And you right. need to just be aware it's out there. Well, uh, since 2000, Pink, who spells her name with an exclamation point instead of the I. Or or just call her Alicia. She's she's not called Alicia until her husband, Carrie Hart, calls her that. Right. And then Alicia's mentioned several times. Right. Well, uh, she has sold 90 million records since 2000. And what I liked about this is it takes you behind the scenes of an of a concert tour in Europe. So you get to see European cities. It's in 2019. It was her beautiful trauma tour. And Which I saw. And then it it shows you how she juggles family life because she and Carrie Hart have two children. Willow is eight and Jameson is two. 
and they're very rambunctious children as they are at that age. And Pink is trying to juggle being a wife, mother, uh, boss, because she has this huge contingent of dancers and musicians and handlers and, and all that, and then be a performer. And she is a perfectionist. Uh, I think that the big message here is talent and hard work wins out every time because she, she knows how to put on a show, but she's also incredibly driven. Yeah. And uh, what I like, she does, she does, she does, they have picture. they have a video of her singing Oh Father by Madonna, but then she takes a dig at Madonna later by giving, uh, saying to one of her dancers who screws up during rehearsal, like, oh, that would get you fired from a Madonna show, which I thought was kind of cute. Right. Well, if this is directed by the guy who did The Greatest Showman. Michael Gracie. Yeah. And uh, she had that big hit. A million dreams from mm -hmm. greatest showman so that's interesting i think you know but it's so weird to see pre-pandemic concerts yeah well th that's the big the big climax is her wanting to do wembley she's got two dates at wembley and she is excited because she thinks that's the pinnacle even though she's american and you think playing madison square garden would be a big deal but she said growing up, she always wanted to do Wembley. But I guess that's for the movie. <laughs> You'd think it'd well, be the Madison Square Garden show. Well, she sold 140,000 tickets two nights at Wembley. Right. And they also show the air, uh, the acrobats, the arrow. Yes, the which is her, if you don't see her live, this is as close to seeing her live as you can if you have not. And you will see her again live. But it she puts on a fantastic stage show and you get a little glimpse of it here and you get the, once again, we talk about the process, you see her process and you found out why she wanted to do all these aerobatic and acrobatic stuff because she said, Oh, well I can do that, but can you sing at the same time? And her, her instructor said, okay, let's see if you can do it. And then he, to prepare her for this, he tied her up in those ropes and punched her in the stomach and said, now sing. Right. And she, she saw Cher in the show and, and Cher had the, the acrobatics behind her. And that's how she was inspired by that. But she grew up with a single mom who would take her uh, in Philadelphia, who would take her to Broadway to see Phantom and Les Mis and stuff like that. So she talks about how she grew up with a mom who would save her money and they would go to New York for theater journeys. So that's it. That's, I think it's, it's very it's, interesting. She wears and, a do rag in her hair when she, she's, she's very casual. She doesn't hardly ever wear a bra. She always has her hair like hidden. So she doesn't have to do it. It's very behind the scenes. She's very casual and, and the whole thing. Well, what's interesting is she is a very conventional mother. She just has a very untraditional job. And she says that and she says, you know, everyone thinks that I'm just this big star and we have nannies and then she's a hands on mom, too. Yeah, and it shows that now she is, to be fair, I have to say she is a producer on this and a writer. <laughs> so, it, so it makes her look good. Yeah, they it's weird. It's a documentary, but they have her writing it with Michael Gracie and two other people. So really it's selective editing right i mean it's obviously going to make her look good i mean it's not going to be but as as a person who's lived in the spotlight and who's known for individuality um uh, it's not a it's not a uh 
glossy portrait by any means. No, and uh, but the, it's not it's not warts and all. It's not. Billie Eilish showed you everything about her. Tina Turner talked about stuff that she has said for 40 years she doesn't want to talk about. And so this one, this is more last dance than uh, Tina. Right. Well, uh, uh, Benji uh, Pasek and uh, Justin Paul co-wrote with Pink the song that plays over the credits, which is the title of the film, All I Know So Far. Which is her latest hit. Right. And Pasek and Paul are the ones behind La La Land and Dear Evan Hansen, which trailer dropped this week and left me in a puddle. So, yeah, but OK. All right. So I'm I'm surprised at all these people that said, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize that Dear Evan Hansen was so moving. I'm like, didn't you know what this movie was about? <laughs> Kid dies in the first five minutes. Oh, I, I didn't realize that. I'm really impressed with the casting because here is a good movie with Amy Adams and Julianne Moore, <laughs> unlike Woman in the Window. Now, hold, now, are you okay? Are you okay with Ben Platt playing a teenager? Um, I am because he's so good in that role. But I will say they de-aged him. <sighs> they de-aged him and they made him have curly hair, which I guess is supposed to make him look youthful. But yeah, I mean, there's other obviously on Broadway, they've had a bunch of Dear Evan Hansen's and on the touring show at the Fox, we saw a different Dear Evan Hansen who was just perfectly fine. But you if you're going to make the movie, you're going to have if you're going to have Ben Platt do it. But I, I'm worried it's going to be like Rent when they're all well, they were 20 years older when they did the movie. But I, you know, I you probably should have got uh pitch perfect uh ben platt rather than you know 25 year old ben platt I, i'm sure it's going to be fine and i'm sure it's going to be wonderful and i you know i love me some amy adams and you we already know she can sing she's doing a, her second disney movie they're filming that at the same time or th that's they're filming that now dear evan hansen's finished yeah and and the director is from perks of a wallflower and wonder Big fan, big fan of Which that. Made me cry buckets. So, William, have you seen any of these uh, documentaries about these powerful women like Tina or Billie Eilish or Pink? I've seen Tina. I have not seen the others yet. Tina is Tina is probably the best of these. Pink Pink is, is probably as good as Billie Eilish, but not as good as Tina because Tina and Pink tries to give us warts and all, but it's a manicured warts and all. <laughs> Right. The, the hardest thing about Tina was you're like, oh, don't quit. Right. <laughs> you, wanted to, you wanted her to announce that she was going to do one final tour or, so, or something along those lines. You know, it's just like sad. That, I know. Uh, well, she'll uh, I hope she gets to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction on uh, which is going to be October 30th this year. Usually it's in the spring. Um, I, I have to correct you, Carl, on the mm -hmm. docuseries 1971 the year music changed everything because it's on apple tv oh it's on apple i thought it was cnn yeah no because i started watching it is the, the quest night. love on cnn maybe i think the quest love is on cnn well as i said there are many there are many of them and they're so far they've all been really good and i'm looking forward to both of those things so thank you for the correction Right. Well, uh, this this is an eight part series and it's done by the people behind the documentary on Amy Winehouse. 
So it's very detailed. The first episode starts out with Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, which just celebrated its 50th anniversary yesterday. Well, they got permission from the Gay estate. They got permission from the John Lennon estate and they got permission from the Rolling Stones. So those are three huge albums from 1971 right there. And then I'm sure once they got permissions from those big three, I mean, Dark Side of the Moon is 1971. Uh, Led Zeppelin 4 is 1971. There's a whole list. If you Google it, there's a list of like 50 albums that came out in 1971 that were life changing. I was 16 in 1971. So that is the year that I remember most every album. And of course, the, the big one for my age group was Carol King Tapestry which they will eventually get to. But in this first episode, they start with what's going on and they end with John Lennon's Imagine. And they have a lot of intimate footage of John Lennon and Yoko Ono. And it's casual and, it's, and it, he's a recording Imagine. And that's fascinating. And then, so this is more uh, in depth than any kind of documentary you've seen so far. And the second album, I mean, the second album, the second episode is uh, George Harrison's concert for Bangladesh. And then it, it uh, twists into Rolling Stone, the ultimate concert where that Hell's Angel killed a guy. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. I didn't finish, but it's eight episodes and it takes place everything. And then the apparently the third episode is when they're going to get into how the drugs are ruining Jim Morrison and uh, Jimi Hendrix and that because wasn't Hendrix dead by then? Well, it's going to talk about that. Like um, Janis Joplin, they all died around this. The, weren't they 27? Yes. Weren't they oh, 27 when they die? So, but yeah, we still got to get to Carol King and James Taylor. And then, oh, the, I think they end with David Bowie. I think it wraps up Starman with his, with his, but it's really fascinating. And you're going to see clips that you've never seen before, which is good. It's not just like, I mean, I love those CNN documentaries where they clip it up, you know, but this is more. Well, speaking of CNN, they are going to have another episode, Lynn, because, you know, this is why I told you I didn't want to care about the history of late night until there were a couple episodes out there. But now there are they're going to have another one on this Sunday. So oh, I know. Well, uh, Letterman was the, the last one. I think it was more about Letterman. And uh, in my, uh, you know, Facebook, well, you don't have Facebook, but I don't they, thank they pop up your memories, which is how come I got me in the Gloria t-shirt yesterday. Uh, they, uh, they popped up. I had said something about David Letterman's last episode. And that was in 2015. I know I was there the uh, 30 episodes Dave had left. So I was number 30. So it's interesting because now the talk shows are going to get back. I think Colbert's going back to a live audience on Monday. Um, didn't Fallon have his first guest? Was uh, John Krasinski? Well, um, that was Colbert. He had his first oh, okay. guest, uh, but it was in that makeshift place where, you know, oh, it's his office. Yeah. And uh, and well, Conan's, Conan's had guests on for months. 
because they're in that Largo theater in LA and they sit six feet apart and he's had guests on for a long time. Well, so has Corden. Corden's had guests, but they've also had the hybrid where they have the Zoom yeah. uh, thing. Colbert has not. Okay. Seth had uh, Julianne Margulies on in uh, sitting next to him the other night. So they're back, I guess, slowly coming back because New York and L.A. are fully opened, I think. Is that correct? Um, I, I York, don't yeah, know I don't that. Think L.A. is yet. I think California is going to be last. Yeah. So uh, speaking of TV, there's a lot of good TV lately, and I'm obsessed with Mayor of Easttown, which had it had its explosive episode five on Sunday that blew minds and blew Twitter up. And uh, so tomorrow night, because we can't binge these, we have to wait for HBO to drop them. Oh, on Sunday no. See, here's here's the thing, Lynn. I can binge these because I have not seen any of the five. So if I wait tomorrow, I can have six of seven episodes. Right, so, I'm halfway through one, so I can binge <laughs> them. So that's, that's what you do. Oh, she's so good. Uh, Kate Winslet, uh, yeah. Emmy winner right away. You can just yeah. tell. But Evan Peters has been very good, too. Yes. And there's so many layers, and there's uh, I can't figure it out. I can't Good. figure out why these that's the idea. Are... They don't want you to figure it out. If you figured it out, then what's the point? Well, the writer, Brad Inglesby, grew up in that area and it's it's gritty. And Ben Richardson, who did the cinematography of um, Those Who Wish Me Dead, he also did Mayor of Easttown. So it has that grittiness to it. But Jean Smart is great as her mom. And she's always good. And she's in that new HBO series called Hacks, which I started watching. And she's like a Joan Rivers comedian in Las Vegas. And it doesn't make Las Vegas look flattering at all. <laughs> like like it should be walled up and nuclear uh, set a nuclear bomb on. Which, yeah, which is which is just kind of funny. But uh, so everybody's waiting for episode six and seven because it winds up on Memorial Day weekend. Right. So a and, lot of people can binge it that weekend and yeah. just have it all done in one fell swoop. I'm sure HBO, HBO usually does stuff like that. They'll show all seven episodes in a row leading up to the finale. Yeah. Which, I mean, you can see it. If you have HBO, you're going to be able to see it because of the archives. And uh, Netflix dropped Halston, which is one of their Ryan Murphy projects. And I sat through I binged that last weekend and I sat through all of them in a row because I'm fascinated by the story. But Ewan McGregor is really great as Halston and the look, they spent a lot of money recreating the look of Halston in his clothes in his, in the jewelry, in the hats and also his living quarters and his uh, office space and New York back in the, 70s and 80s so it's very authentic um it is a ryan murphy production so take that for what it's worth i mean you have his spin on it and he did write a couple of the episodes so you're going to get that perspective uh but uh it's halston people forget how influential he was he was like the first super celebrity designer he designed jackie kennedy's pillbox hat from the Kennedy administration. And then in the 70s, he redefined 
the uh the women's fashion there's no doubt about it and then he came out with his iconic perfume in the specially made bottle I wore his perfume for years and I didn't realize it was like such a such a huge deal to get that bottle mess manufactured but well, then it, it, that's on, it's on Netflix. So you can watch that. Right. And then uh, what happened was the drugs from that time, the Coke from the Studio 54 era. The girl who plays Liza Minnelli, Krista Rodriguez, is quite excellent. And I look for some Emmy nominations there. But yeah, no, it's it's uh, if you don't know anything about Halston, you will know by the end of the five episodes. His family has denounced it, however. Oh, so there are things that must be true. Yeah. <laughs> He's from Indiana and they they're mad because they were not consulted at all. Okay. Well that's very Ryan Murphy. Well yeah, yeah. And it's it's Ryan Murphy's spin, so take that for what it's worth. And then this week comes the long awaited speaking of HBO, the long awaited reunion of friends. No, that's not on H that's not on HBO. That's on Peacock, isn't it? No, it's HBO. It's H oh, that's right. It's right. It's the one year anniversary of HBO Max, and that that's how they're celebrating it. And people are upset that um, Paul Rudd is not anywhere to be found in the uh, credits so far. Uh -huh. Because well, they're going to have special guests, and the whole special, besides having the reunion, is going to have interviews and clips. Well, Twitter blew up because Matthew Perry looks terrible. And sounds drunk and he's supposed to be clean. So everybody flip, flipped out, but it's a, it's a, for what it's worth, if you watched friends, which I did, and it's also on Thursday night, which was their time slot. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I like, they have amazing chemistry that cast, but Paul Rudd played Phoebe's husband for two years and he's not on the show, but they don't know, but they've got Malala. She'll be there, but not Paul Rudd. And, and you know what, Malala, I love Malala, but I don't know if she needs to be on the Friends reunion special. Well, Reese Witherspoon returns as Rachel's sister. Well, then, OK, where is Christina Applegate then? Because she played she, Rachel's I, I, other well, sister. Yeah, I think she might show up, too. See, I mean, now that's 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 a trivia question. What show did Reese Witherspoon and Christina Applegate play sisters? It would be friends because even though they didn't, were never on the same time and they were never together, but that is the, that is the trivia answer that I just made up right now. Well, they also had perfectly cast parents. I will say that Elliot Gould and Marlo Thomas and, and Christina Pickles, Pickles. and, mm -hmm. and uh, the casting and Oh, Chandler's dad wasn't Kathleen Turner. Yes. And Morgan Fairchild. And McMurray played uh, was Ross's boss is that from Raising Arizona. Yes. Yeah. It, it's going to be it's going to be fine. I mean, we'll all watch it and we'll go, oh, we waited a year for this. A year. You've been waiting forever for this. Oh, okay. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 2004. 2004 was the last episode. Yeah, well, everything's old is new again. Well, in St. Louis, we are, I am getting theater announcements. Like I just got a St. Louis actors 
studios announcement for the lost episodes and then i got west end players guild and then the shakespeare festival is my first official rsvp of the summer to see right. andre de shields in king lear at the park and right. then um hold on hold on why did you need to rsvp it's at shakespeare glenn it's free for everybody you don't need to rsvp just show up yeah yeah but the press we get vip seating we do I've never gotten VIP scenes because my family and I have a tradition every year that we that we get a blanket and we have a couple of Schlafly. Well, they I they don't have Schlafly's. I have a couple because Schlafly makes special beers for the Shakespeare Fest mm -hmm. Festival. And then you lay on a blanket and stare at the sky and don't look at a single actor. No, that's not <laughs> my my thing is I try to hear. Usually you can hear the St. Louis Zoo tigers and lions roaring in the background, which is great. And if you go on the right night, you can hear the Muni's final number in the background. <laughs> so that well, that is a family tradition. Yes. I mean, it's it's wonderful for us park to have all those things going on at the same time. And it, it is a wonderful uh, family event that I do every year. And it's and I've had a lot of friends in it. The Knowles have been. Alan Knoll was in it for a couple of years, and I love I love Alan, and I'm and I want to see him do it again. But have they? Um, I like the Green Show that they do before the show, right. which is well, the show yeah, for the kids. It's a whole event. I will say, uh, as far as theater companies go, Shakespeare Festival St. Louis Shakespeare Festival, they changed their name. It used to be Shakespeare Festival St. Louis, but and their website's St. Louis Shakes, so you can find out more about this. They have kept up their programming. They did innovative programming in the park. Uh, we took a stroll, and then in the Central West End, they did the Christmas Carol, by uh, uh, audio, which Carl, both you and I, I went on. And uh, they've really come up with some creative programming. Now, this is a national production because Andre DeShields, the Tony winner, mm -hmm. uh, he is playing King Lear. But they also cast local people like Carl Overly Jr. and Jackie Thompson and uh, some other local actors are in it. So, so that's nice. But anyway, it'll be here for a month and I recommend highly that experience because it's just fun. It's right. just a fun event. And speaking of the Muni, they announced this week that they and the city of St. Louis health department have partnered to come up with a plan for the Muni. And what they've done is they've reduced the seven shows to five. They have taken away Mary Poppins, which would be would, would have been the kids show because kids aren't vaccinated yet for the most part. And plus they're starting the season later. And then also they took away Sweeney Todd and they moved them to next year. And they're not going to start the season until July 26th with Smokey Joe's Cafe. Cafe. And then uh, their capacity can only be 60%. So that's now how much of that is going to I I'm curious about this 60 percent number. Are the free seats going to get disproportionately uh, ruined so they have more people that pay or is it going to be a widespread evenly distributed 60 percent? Well, I think it has to be evenly distributed because they have social distancing. It has to be they're going to be they're not selling more than six tickets in in a in one. 
and uh, they in one group, and they all have to be uh, three feet front, back, side, whatever. So they have to fashion the seating for the muni in that uh, in that regard. Okay. So they have to spread out all the seats, and so it's going to be sixty percent. They have also installed metal detectors. So you don't have to stand there and go through the wand and the check in your bag thing. That that was never that bad, though. No, but it's, you know, for the COVID. Especially if there's going to be only 60% of the capacity, it it's not going to speed anything up because you're still going to have to go through bags. Well, this is all, they have a COVID team and this is what okay. they came up with. And also it's cashless and uh transactions just like the cardinals and other groups are doing is the culver pavilion going to be open up that's what i want to know i don't know because i I don't know i love the eating at the culver beforehand i don't know so the cardinals and the blues have are back to uh higher capacity the blues are at nine thousand, and the cardinals i was talking to dan farrell the vice president of uh, ticket sales. Uh, he he was on with Mark Reardon the other day, and he and I were talking before the show was on. And they are going to be at full capacity. Is it June fourteenth or July fourteenth? It's the fourteenth of a month beginning it's with June. J. June, June for sure. Yeah, yeah. June so 14th. they're going to be at full yeah. full capacity because they're outside. And um, yay. Well, they right. said last night that they were going to have like 40,000 people downtown because of the Cardinals game and the Blues game, which is exciting for downtown St. Louis. Well, except one game started at 6.45 and the other game started at 8.45. Yeah, it was weird walking into a uh, Blues playoff game with nobody around. I mean, we parked on Market yeah. and there was nobody anywhere. And then you went inside and everywhere was so spread out, it seemed like a ghost town, but yeah, people were texting me. Hey, so what time is puck drop? And I said, well, it's eight 45, but you should be here for the, for the pregame pizzazz because it was all new and we changed all of that stuff and had, we were in the middle of rehearsal and they decided to open doors 10 minutes early. And I said, well, I guess this is over. So William, how'd it look? How'd the open look? Look great. Good. The whole because... evening was great, other than the outcome. I mean, it was nice <laughs> to be back in the building and and uh, see a hockey game. It was well, five to one. I turned it off when it was three to one. I'm sorry. I was just oh, like, see, that's why I knew there was a reason why. See, if you <laughs> would have watched it, we, they would have pulled it out if it right. wasn't for you, Lynn. Yeah, well, Wait. I had to watch Georgetown for the day, so I was okay. just like, right. I'm moving on to the movie now. Well, tomorrow's game is not insane. Uh, Sunday's game is at four o'clock. And I think it's on uh, big NBC. So I was wondering that because last night it was weird because the Cardinals were both on Fox Sports Midwest and the Blues. And I was like, how does that happen? First of all, it's Bally Sports Midwest. I know. And it, it, outside of St. Louis, it's on NBC Sports Network. So like if you have friends say, oh, yeah, you, you watch it on Bally. I don't have that. Well, then you can watch it on NBC Sports. But like the other night, the game, uh, I want to say Wednesday, one of them was on CNBC. Because they were just because that was the same night that the Canadian teams started. So, yeah, the Canadian teams didn't start until like Wednesday. So it's it's just been a weird year. Isn't and, the Cardinals Cubs game on ESPN Sunday night? Because it's a Sunday night, 6 p.m. It's start a Sunday night game. Yeah. 
Okay. Which will be great because the Blues game will be in the third period just when it's about to start. So, so William, did you guys have to uh, do a different seating chart for the theater for September or are you hoping we're back to normal by then? A little of both. So we're hoping we'll be back to normal. I'm still waiting on uh, Actors' Equity, the union, of course, that we work with, uh, is deferring some of their guidance for a while because they, too, are hoping that we can uh, go back to fairly normal. I know that pretty much for sure. <laughs> that's vague enough pretty much for sure <laughs> now if you've got a if you've got a uh vaccination card we'll be able to seat you and if you don't uh, well, that's what we're doing for music so show your vax card and we you can sit wherever you want if you don't have it we're going to space you out and wait, marry, make you wear a mask so um that's kind of the way it's going to go yeah i w- i got my hair cut the other day and i walked in with my mask on and they said if you're fully vaccinated you don't have to wear it and i said i am and then uh, my you can't trust anybody to say, I mean, you're trustworthy, right. then, but come on. well, my, my hairdresser who I've had since 1998, she <laughs> told me that the people, the two people scheduled next uh, after me were not vaccinated. And, and the one guy came in and they said, Hey, you can take off your mask if you're not. And he wasn't, he, and he was very proud that he wasn't vaccinated. So I don't know about that attitude because it's <laughs> just like, you're just cutting yourself off from a lot of things. Right. But that's me and other nope. people do have issues, but yeah, I don't trust America <laughs> to be mm-hmm. honest. Right. Well, that that's that's OK. And that that's what makes us Americans, our non-trustworthiness of each other. <laughs> and speaking of Americans, one of uh, one of the great American actors, Charles Grodin, died this week. I love him. Oh, if you was... never saw Midnight Run. It is it is a it is a classic of. Dry comedy and oh. being a perfect straight man. Well, every time he was on Johnny Carson, anytime he was just great. With Dave, oh, he yeah, showed up with Letterman. He was so dry. His lawyer was so dry. He was the humorist on 60 Minutes for a while, too. Which think, was, no, 60 Minutes 2, yes. the one that they did on Tuesday nights. And I'm like, right. they couldn't come up with anything uh, uh, more classy than 60 Minutes 2. And then Let Charles Grodin was the guy. And right. he even made fun. I remember he made fun of that. Oh, I'm on 60 Minutes too. That was <laughs> and he hosted his own show. Uh, was it CNBC? Well, yeah, a, yeah, lot, yeah. a lot of people know him from the Beethoven movies as the only as the first the, two, though. <laughs> yeah, the perplexed dad. But he was so much more. He he was really good in the Heartbreak Kid, the original. That was his debut. Yeah, he was good with Sybil Shepherd and Jeannie Berlin. I'm pretty sure, right? Well, he and he hosted Saturday Night Live once and allegedly that got him banned. But he said, no, he was just doing things to be himself. And he said that they asked him back many times and he just didn't do it. So you never know what you hear. Well, SNL wraps up its season tonight with Anna Taylor-Joy. Anya. Anya Anya. Taylor-Joy. The Queen's Gambiter. Yeah. Well, she's really good. The first time I saw her was in the movie The Witch which is quite the slow burn of a horror film. But she's very good. And then she was one of James McAvoy's victims in Split. And then she was also in the sequel to that. 
and she has uh, had quite, yeah, but since Queen's Gambit, she's really taken off. But she's quite an up so everything that we the horror film, the horror thriller, and then the drama slow burn. So she's going to be great at comedy tomorrow night. <laughs> well, sometimes the people that you don't expect that are going to be good are really good. And then the people that you have high hopes for are not. But I didn't realize but, Keegan-Michael Key. Um, you got it right. Had, had good. never had never been on as the host. Well, no, he was on Mad TV. He was the first cast member of Mad TV to host Saturday Night Live. Oh, he's really good as Michael Jordan in the skit that parodies the last dance. That's 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 something that is something that was very key and peel. The the dedication that went into that. And I I enjoyed I enjoyed him. I smiled and laughed more smiled but i laughed a lot i thought he was a good host i thought the the critics the people that didn't like it are saying that it was just a pale imitation of key and peel and that they didn't write well enough for him i was i loved the muppet bit and i thought the last dance thing was really good and i thought i smiled because he made me have a good feeling watching his performance on saturday night i have to say not to criticize. I'm quite surprised at both of you that you didn't mention that Anya starred in Local Boy Made Good, Corey Finley's film. <gasps> Thoroughbreds. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. John Burroughs, Pride of St. Louis. Yes, who I got to uh, see his movie, uh, movie, uh, his play, The Feast. At, where did you see that? At Saint at the <laughs> Gaslight Theater, and Corey did a Q and A with John okay. Pearson, which was very fascinating. And that cast was so good. It was St- Spencer Sickman, Jennifer Thebe Quinn, and Ryan Foisey, Max's cousin mm-hmm. Carl. And it was so good. And then uh, Corey has been quite the friend to the Actors Studio when you did the. Uh, uh, what was that when everybody could bid on if they could uh the small professional theater sustainment fund yeah right so i wanted to talk to him so i got to interview him and he did bad education with hugh jackman and and also what did he just he just has been announced to do the film it's a fairly big film uh he's gonna a cool breeze on the underground no he's the writer and director of that television show Okay, but there's also something else he's going to get to do that's impressive. Well, he's okay. impressive. He is impressive. He is an easygoing, nicest guy um, and quite a writer. Yeah. He had written the first, his, his first draft of, of the feast he had sent to us for the Labute Festival. Uh, and unfortunately, we hadn't gotten to it. And then by the time he had rewritten it and reconnoitered it into the feast, we were very excited to have it. It's quite a translating a horror story onto the stage uh, especially a small stage that doesn't have any sort of tricks and and pyrotechnics or any of these kind of things uh isn't easy to do but um a haunted toilet was right up our alleys (laughs) oh and the sound was great i i gave that very high marks and i was very impressed with everything about it and um yeah so if it ever comes around again there are some dvd releases this week that uh people if you want to beat the heat because it's going to be hot um if you want to stay in the air conditioning minari is finally 
on DVD. Yes. And so you can see what all the fuss is about. And it's just wonderful. Supernova, which I mistakenly thought Stanley Tucci was going to win the Oscar for. And uh, Colin Firth, they play, uh, uh, he's slowly dying of dementia. Stanley Tucci and he and Colin Firth are lovers and they go around to their old haunts in England. And it's, the movie is not as good as the guys are. But uh, Stanley Tucci's fabulous. And, and then your favorite movie, Carl, Tom and Jerry, no. is now on DVD. And uh, well, one of my yeah. favorites last year called The Nest. Uh, uh, William, you would really like this. It's Jude Law, and he hasn't been this good in a long time. And it's Carrie Coon. Oh. Uh, it's, oh. It's, and it's, it's, it's a whole lot of nothing. Uh-oh. It is. Lynn, we argued about this last time. It's the I whole. Uh, I I I liked the. It's it's uptight British people being uptight and quiet and stiff upper lip, and then there is one scene where she goes out and gets her dance on. That is the most exciting scene in the film. It is very slow burn. It is slow burn, but it celebrates the ordinary things of life. At first, I was like, where's this movie going? And then you think it's oh, yeah, going to be this haunted mansion. <laughs> you think it's going to be this haunted mansion story, but it's not. It's about the unraveling of a family. Of a marriage. Oh, yeah. Great. Snore. Well, so did you, you like it, bro? No, oh, I did. I watched the whole thing. I, I, I tortured myself to see the whole thing. No, no, I, I try to make sure that I watch all my films all the way through. Okay, good for you. Yeah, because else we don't review them or I will admit that, you know, I just there's a couple of them that I have to just turn off. And so then I don't review it. Um, and Carrie, Carrie Coon is really good in the movie, but well, you know, she's always you're, good. You're also expecting for some big ass twist and there's not <laughs> no no but there's some weird stuff that happens with the horse and everything a friend of mine texted me this is so weird and i was like i liked it maybe i like weird but i thought jude law was great and yeah, she's let's, great let's spend she's 10 great. minutes about burying a dead horse <laughs> and then Which, and then dig up the dead horse later oh, it will ruin just... it for me i'm watching it based on Lynn's review <laughs> okay yeah. you can and then you can uh write me back and say oh my gosh carl you were right it was gonna beaten that dead horse <laughs> yeah oh no yeah. no they do well they beat well, it um uh, william have you been to the arcadin it's on Gravoy. It's in the old bevo neighborhood um we had the people who started this it's a mm -hmm. micro cinema and the people who run it are very fascinating. Carl and I had them on as a guest and they started this. They started showing old quirky movies and then the pandemic hit. So they transitioned to outside, putting the movies in their courtyard. Right. With limited capacity. And then now they are returning to having a schedule like uh, tonight. They are having Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. And uh, they started this monthly Nicholas Cage movie where it's yeah. called Drinkless Cage. And uh, they play a Nicholas Cage movie where it's a drinking game. Yes. That's what you have to do with most of his movies. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of <laughs> other than Once Upon a Time in America. <laughs> 
speaking of turning off movies and then uh <laughs> uh they uh and then may 29th they're going to have a movie called part-time which i haven't heard of but however it's a local filmmaker named striker spurlock is that is that person related to morgan spurlock well that's what i was wondering hmm. So they're they're back at it, but you know it's so nice they're taking over the Tivoli's legacy. Of yeah, yeah, multi, and uh, uh, did I pronounce Arkadin right, Carl? Because it's based on the uh, Citizen Kane reference. Yeah, I, I believe that I believe that is correct, and they're going to be a part of Q Fest too in June. They're going to do uh, written on the wind. That's right. We're going to have Joshua Ray come on and talk about that. And so that'll that'll be interesting. So St. Louis is opening up and Carl and I go back to the Ronnie's for a screening of A Quiet Place. I will say that if you saw A Quiet Place in the theaters, you know how every sound is magnified. And my colleague at the Webster Kirkwood Times, uh, Kent Tenshirt, said some guy came down the aisle with his ice and his soda rattling <laughs> and everybody looked at him like they were going to kill him. Well, no, because the aliens would come eat you if you made any noises. So this is a prequel, I think. To no, the... no, he's not in it. It takes place afterwards. Because, because then why wouldn't John Krasinski be in it? He's not in it. No, he's in it. No, that flashbacks. That, oh, okay. the part the part that he's in would be flashbacks. He he's not in that. He is an uncredited actor in this movie. It takes place. It's called part two. It's not like the Godfather part two, which was a prequel. This is a quiet place part two, which that going into this, I want to say they know how to kill these aliens now. And I guess it doesn't matter because they still have to do it. And they I don't know. I don't, we'll find out on Monday. I'm curious. We, I'm curious because at the end of the first one, they found out how to kill them. So this is going to be, this is typically the uh, Memorial Day weekend where they have blockbusters. And so we're going to have Cruella and A Quiet Place return to the theater. So this is going to be a bellwether mark to see if people come back. Yeah, but you can still get Cruella for 30 bucks at home. And I think a lot of people will do that. And they should. We'll talk about that next week, but Cruella is better than it needs to be. Well, thank you so much, uh, William, for coming in and telling us what uh, uh, what's coming up at the Gaslight. And you can go to the West End Pub and Grill anytime. For... That's right. Day or night. Four o'clock. William, where can we find everything on socials and online? Uh, well, Twitter, it's at STLIS1, but Gaslight Theater er not re dot net is the website uh for the theater itself stlas.org is st louis actors studio and west end grill and pub spelled out is the restaurant are you having sunday brunch by any chance no lunch or brunch yet that takes a very special cook that can make sure your eggs arrive delicious and hot and so until we have that special cook back uh and we haven't had that for a while we're going to stay closed during the day but we'll be back with a brunch once we once we feel as though we've got a competent. This uh, is quite a brunch, and a lot of people came, and we don't want to return to that until we know it's going to be good. Smart, right? Which you is don't want people coming thing. back and being disappointed. Yeah, so, it doesn't take um, long for someone to not like your brunch and never one come. Yelp review, and then no more brunch. Right. 
And they'll, no. they'll tolerate uh, something medium instead of medium well, but cold eggs, you're dead forever. Nope. Yeah. All right. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. In fact, I will be testing the horn tomorrow at, let's see, it's a four o'clock game. I do it three hours before. So you'll hear me testing the horn on Instagram around one o'clock central time tomorrow at underscore Carl, the intern. And then I will be playing all your favorite bangers as the blues try to turn this around. You can hear me on the Mark Reardon show this week and possibly the Annie Fry show as well on 97.1 FM talk. And you can hear me on camo X on Sundays doing the great outdoor show. So Lynn, where can we find you? I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times. I am on KTRS every Thursday night with Ray Hartman around 1030. Miller Furniture presents Lynn Van House Goes to the Movies. And I have my own website, poplifestl.com, where you can find all the theater group's schedules for their, their returns. Thank you. Excellent. And I'm on all the socials. And thank you, William, for being on with us today. Thanks for yeah, having me. Thanks a lot. And, and we'll uh, see you in person soon. Come on down. Zoo I hope so. Um, you'll be plans. you'll be great in Edward Albee Zoo Story. That'll be that'll be really fun. Yeah. And um, everybody stay safe. Try to get vaccinated so we can all enjoy everything the world has to offer. Bye. Bye bye. See ya.